Welcome to episode 50 of You Are Not A Frog, freeing yourself from the money trap. In this episode, I'm chatting with Dr. Tommy Perkins, who's a GP partner and one of the co-founders of Medics Money. And they really want to empower doctors to make better financial decisions. And I think all of us need to make better financial decisions, whether we're a doctor, whether we work in healthcare or other high stress professions. The question is, how do we free ourselves financially to be able to make decisions not on the basis of money? Because if we get to the point in our lives where we are trapped in a certain level of income, there are things that we're going to have to continue doing and we're not going to have the choices that we need to have. Now, Tommy believes that actually we can all spend a little bit less. And he says that quite a lot of the time we sort of wear our our finances as a a badge of honour and we use our possessions to show maybe how well we're doing or as a status symbol. But what if we could escape that trap? What if our possessions didn't define us? He has a few really good tips for us. For example, whenever you're tempted to buy that next upgrade of an expensive gadget, you may want to think to yourself, well, how many extra shifts or extra sessions would I have to do to afford that? And is that going to really bring me as much happiness as something else I could be doing with that time? It's really important to get advice and it's also important to set a budget and to even maybe make a financial PDP for yourself and your family. And he thinks that getting an emergency fund is an absolute must so it can build a buffer into your day. I found it really interesting talking to him and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, doctors and other busy professionals in high stress jobs. Even before the coronavirus crisis, many of us were feeling stressed and one crisis away from not coping. We felt like frogs in boiling water, overwhelmed and exhausted. But this has crept up on us slowly, so we hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm. And let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices, stay and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog, and that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more options than you think you do. It is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, turned executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I work with doctors and other organisations all over the country to help professionals and their teams beat stress and take control of their work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to survive and thrive in our work and lives. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours? then it's time to get your life back. And that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60 minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. It's really great to have with me on the podcast today, Dr. Tommy Perkins. And Tommy is a GP partner and he's also the founder of Medics Money. Tommy, what else do you do during the week? Well, I'm a husband, a father to three young children. I also do GP with special interest in dermatology and I run Medics Money with my colleague, Dr. Ed Cantello. 
So pretty full week. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I came across um, Tommy, actually, we were having an interesting conversation on Twitter. And I think Tommy's got a really interesting perspective on money. And I thought it'd be really useful for my listeners and, and for me as well, because a lot of the time, I think money can really trap us into lives in which we're not really thriving and we're not feeling like we're fulfilling our potential or doing what we want to do. So I thought Tommy would be a really good person to explore this with. But first of all, Tommy, just tell me a little bit about Medics Money. So why did you found that in the first place? Yeah, it's definitely something that I ask myself why when I'm putting in massive hours on Medics Money as well as having all those other roles that we talked about. But I think the reason why is because both myself and Ed, who has a unique skill set, he's not only a, a doctor, but also a chartered accountant and tax advisor. We're both passionate about helping doctors to make better financial decisions. And that just means giving doctors the financial education that we never had at medical school and we never had during training. And as a result, we noticed that doctors were a bit prone to making, you know, suboptimal financial decisions, which is not surprising, really, because no one ever sits us down and tells us what we need to know. But I think the real story for Medics Money starts 12 years ago, really, when I left medical school, I had no financial support at medical school. I was one of the first in my, or the first and only member of my family to go to university. So I left with 85 grand of debt. And I realized pretty quickly that I needed to get a solid plan to pay that down. And so over those 12 years, uh, I learned how to manage my finances, you know, how to pay the right amount of tax and only the right amount of tax. Don't make charitable donations to HMRC. You know, how to use your money to work for you, how to invest it wisely, how to set a budget and stick to it. And, and you know, how to pay down debt, because that's the reality for a lot of people today. They, They carry a lot of debt and you've got to pay that down. And so, yeah, I mean, I got pretty good at money management and then people ask me, oh, you've claimed back, you know, all of the tax rebates on your GP training exams. Could you do mine? And so I was like, okay, I'll show you how to do it. And it kind of spiraled from there, really. But it was a low level thing. And I never, I always wanted to be a doctor. I never wanted to get into this kind of thing. But then I met Ed and, you know, his knowledge as an accountant and a chartered tax advisor and a doctor kind of made Medics Money what it is today. So that's a very brief story about why we started it. We can get into more detail if you wish. Yeah. So I think that story, it's very true for a lot of people graduating from university in a lot of debt. And I just want to say that everything you're saying about doctors, I think could be absolutely applied to lawyers and and I won't say accountants because well, one would expect that accountants can manage their own money, but maybe not. But I think other healthcare professionals, you know, I don't think anybody at university is taught how to manage their money and even if you're not self-employed even if you are employed in a role there's still loads of stuff that we need to know about but I think it's not just managing our money in terms of what can you claim tax back from or what what you can't but it's actually the whole attitude and, and concept of money because when I teach and talk about how to thrive in life and how to be happy at work I always start off by talking about the happiness traps that we can encounter you know one of them being work has to be a chore work should be a chore and stress is normal and I ought to do this and that I think one of the biggest happiness traps we fall into is that money is everything and that what we do is for money and so we end up working all these hours and feeling like a hamster on wheel because we've ended up trapping ourselves into a lifestyle where money is everything, where we absolutely have to earn this to to keep up what we've got going on. Is that something you're familiar with? 
Absolutely. I think everybody listening to this probably recognizes that they themselves and, you know, myself included, have fallen into that trap. I think there was something really interesting you said a moment ago uh, when you said it's not just doctors. I totally agree um, that are, you know, not good with their money. But I think the common theme here that I've noticed is because I went, you know, a slightly different background into medicine, I've got lots of friends who run their own businesses. And if you run your own business, yeah, you've got to get good at money. And the better you are at managing money, the better your business in general. So those guys are on it, right? But if you're a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, a painter or an artist, you're, you get paid for being good at what you're doing, medicine. So you make a lot of money doing medicine, but you don't have these ancillary skills that a self-employed businessman does to bring those in. So you can make a lot of money as a doctor or an artist or a dentist or any of these other high in income professionals, but you don't necessarily have the money skills that go with it. Whereas my friends who are running their own construction companies and everything, you know, they, these guys are on it because that's how they've built a successful business. So that's one thing that I think unifies those that are not so good with money, like doctors and dentists and lawyers. And uh, you rightly excluded accountants from that. I mean, when you spend a bit of time hanging around with an accountant like Ed, you realize how deficient even someone like me who thinks they're okay at it. Yeah, they're, they're another level. But I think that's the theme that unifies being less good with managing your money, that you earn a lot of money doing what you're good at being a doctor, but you don't have any extra skills. And in terms of falling into the money happiness, you know, it's the biggest cliche going that money doesn't buy you happiness. I think unless you've had very little money, you can't appreciate that a certain amount of money affords you choices. And what you do with those choices is going to be a major determinant of how happy you are, you know. And the great thing about being a doctor or a dentist or something else is that, you know, on your basic salary, you earn significantly more than most people in this country. So you have enough money to have choices. And it's just what you do with those choices that can really have a big impact. And you mentioned getting on the hamster wheel, you know, just more, 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 you know, keeping up with the Joneses or whatever other cliches you want to insert. But I think, you know, as doctors, we are perfectionists and we are trained to do our very best. You know, you, you don't get into medical school without being pretty decent. You don't get to be a good doctor by giving it your absolute all the whole time. And then when you say to a doctor, you know, I drive a 13 year old Peugeot 207 and the driver's side door lock uh, doesn't open from the inside. So every time I'm driving around with Ed, I have to get out and open him like I'm his chauffeur, which he finds hilarious. But, you know, motoring expenses are extortionate and I don't want to drive a nice car I would rather work part-time like I do and drop my kids off two days a week at school than drive a brand new car and it's just a choice that I've made and medicine has allowed me to make that choice but I think sometimes you can get in the tunnel of just more 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 and you don't see these choices yeah I think that is so true because I remember watching a documentary I think it was on Netflix called I think it was called happier or happy. And it was really interesting. It, it interviewed this guy who lived in a, a slum in India. And he was, he, he drove a rickshaw, he had four or five children. He was smiling and laughing all the time, actually. And they said that they'd done a lot of studies and his level of happiness was the same as the average level of happiness in the USA. And they worked out sort of what 
level of financial freedom of salary you had to have to get this certain level of happiness and it wasn't very much and then the research shows that if you double that and you double it that doesn't buy you more happiness you may be able to buy some nicer experiences and like you said a nicer car but actually your happiness level is is pretty much the same and or it might even go down because if you're doubling your salary maybe you're having to work even harder or extra jobs or you know doing doing lots of shifts at the weekend when you could be with your family and and all that all that other sorts of things so money it's not a linear relationship money and happiness is it Absolutely not. And you know, everybody's motivations and experiences are better. Some people might be listening to this thinking I can never drive a 13 year old Peugeot. And that's totally fine. Like you can make that choice. But I think, you know, you touched on it there in terms of happiness. What kind of keeps me happy is, you know, my relationships with my family and my wife and things, my work, you know, and the work working life that keeps me happiness. Health, you know, I think as doctors, we often underestimate that, but yet we're surrounded by it the other, all day. And then I think the final component for me personally in that happiness sort of quadrant is your finances. And, you know, when I had no money and 85 grand of debt, you know, finances was a major determinant on my happiness because I was constantly, you know, paying down that debt and trying to get into a position that I'm in now, which is where I don't need to do extra locum shifts to get more money. And it's not because I'm earning a fortune. It's because I've trimmed down my life and I've got my money working for me by so different income streams and investments. And the thing is, every single person listening to this podcast is definitely smart enough to do this. But if you don't read or get exposed to the right information, you're not going to do it. And just doing it is the key because becoming a doctor is becoming harder and harder. In, in my ebook, which is proving pretty popular online, there's a graph which shows that some doctors pay over the last 10 years, according to BMA, has dropped by 30% relative to inflation. So that is a major income hit. And if we don't start upping our game as doctors uh, and managing our money better, maximizing it in any way that we can, I think some of us are going to have big problems. So I'm interested that there were sort of two areas that I think we need to focus on as doctors, as self-employed people, but also as anyone who, who is employed. The first one is actually managing the sort of business side of things. So, you know, the how you run your business and you're you're right when you have a small business you have to get on it otherwise I mean I must say I'm I'm still not very good at this but I do have an accountant that I I get to do that stuff for me so there's that that whole business side of things but I think the other side is the thing where we don't pay enough attention to that's our own personal budgets and how we spend money and how we plan and like we touched on you know I I often do speak to GPs who are just qualifying and they're considering whether to put their children into private school or not and sometimes I just want to say to them just consider what these decisions are going to mean for you in five or ten years of time when you might not be wanting to work 10 sessions a week or you might not be wanting to work all weekend you know because it's very difficult to reverse some of the decisions once they've been made but I don't think we really think like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's your choice if you think that private school is the best education for your kids. But the reality for certainly a single income, you know, doctor family like ours is that, you know, we just can't afford it. And so it's not an option. Uh, and if we were to afford it, you know, I would have to work so many hours. And you mentioned that the relationship between money and uh, earnings uh, between money and happiness is not linear. But the relationship between earnings and tax is not linear either. So you know, in my book, we sort of go through seven. It's a totally free ebook to download. Yeah, we'll put the links. We'll put the links in the show notes so you yeah. can get that. Yeah, 
we go through sort of seven things to you know get your finances in order in less than 10,000 words basically so the first bit is maximizing your income and that does not mean go to work more it means make sure that your tax is in order make sure that you're claiming the child benefit that you're entitled to if relevant you know maximize the tax-free childcare again if you have children sort your tax code out okay so don't you're maximizing your income but you're not earning more you're just making more of what you've got but the second part and the fundamental bit is minimize expenditure which you mentioned and in the in the book is a little thing which helped me a lot which was when i was an f2 you know 85 grand down i was saving real hard to pay off those debts so i used to frame any purchase in these terms that was how many hours of a post state ward round would i need to do to buy you know a new phone or whatever uh, and more recently, it's now, you know, how many hours would I need to prepare for the CQC inspection in order to buy X? And when you frame items in those terms, you're, what you're thinking is, OK, how many hours do I want to spend away from my family working in order to buy that item? But also what you need to realize is because of what I said about our tax system, it's progressive. So, you know, once you go through a certain threshold, you can be paying 20, 40, 45 percent tax. You actually need to, you know, uh, earn more the more you earn to buy that item. So just try to think about it in those terms. It, how much time would I prepare to be on a post-take ward round or something else that you don't really like in order to buy that item? And I found that so useful. And I think the other second massive budget tip that I would like to tell you know everyone is you know don't underestimate your household expenses you know recently on in the ebook we tell the story of sophie who contacted us she used the resources on medics money she was preparing for exams and she was spending 200 pound a month on the hospital canteen right not that much you know but she trimmed that spend by 166 pounds a month by taking a packed lunch okay so she's going to be uh, have a 30-year career so that at the end would equal 166 times 30 years would be 59,000 pounds right <gasps> Okay, so that's the that's a good bit. But if you invest that money, okay, sensibly at, you know, and got a 5% return, which historically is very realistic, if you do it right, and this is not investment and guidance or advice, and you should always take specialist <laughs> investment advice. Yes. But if you invested that £59,000 at 5% for 30 years, at the end, you get £139,000. Okay, so compound interest, Einstein described as the eighth wonder of the world. And those that understand it, earn it. And those that don't pay it. Now, I've paid my fair share because I was 85 grand down. And now I'm earning it. So just by making a small change, yeah, taking a packed lunch. I mean, the hospital food, not the best yeah, anyway. Not my, anyway, you probably feel much better if you do take your packed lunch. Yeah, like yesterday, I made myself a tuna sandwich and I didn't quite drain it right. So when I got to, to work, it was a bit soggy because the water was still in there. It was still better than what the canteen would provide me. And if I do that every day for the next 30 years, at the end, I'm going to have 139,000 pounds. So yeah. tiny things which you think as a doctor, you think, oh, um, you know, buying coffee at the station. Someone wrote to me at the, uh, about my ebook saying, I'm a doctor. I'm rich. If I want to buy coffee every day for five pounds at the station, I can. I'm like, yeah, you can. It's your choice. But just compound the interest at 5% over 30 years and see, do you still want that coffee? Because at the end, five pounds a day, it's going to be a massive amount. So you know, that's the other thing that we talk about. And then we get into talking about how to pay down your debt and other things. But I think making the most of your income is what you, you need to focus on. And as I said at the start, the great thing for doctors is that our base level of income is a brilliant amount. And so if we use it right, we can have a great life and we don't need to flog ourselves working overtime and locum shifts and everything else uh, that I know that we do. Yeah, I think there's a flip side to this, though, which is a good flip side, which is that money can save you time, can buy you time as well. So um, it's absolutely what, what you said. You might 
want to save not eating that awful food at the canteen. But then I guess if it saves you time when you could be doing something else. So I always think if you can't, if there's a job that you really don't want to do and you can afford it, pay somebody else, pay somebody else to it and you get that time back and time is worth so much to us. But then there are massively helpful productivity hacks that could also save you time. Right. So I guess what that person buying their lunch in the canteen, what I'd say to them is make a massive salad on a Sunday night and then just decant it into five bowls. There you go. You've got a really nice meal for the week. Probably only took you as much time as making one salad for the next day. You know, so it's actually a bit of planning. So I think productivity and financial health maybe and time management maybe goes together a bit as well. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And I think if it's one thing that me and Ed have learned in making Medics Money, you know, when we started it, it was just helping our friends out and then friends of friends and friends of friends. Last month, over 20,000 people visited our website. We got 17,500 email subscribers. We got the biggest independent network of accountants and financial advisors in the country now. So it's got really, really big. And the thing that we've learned is at the start, we were just doing it all ourselves. And Mm. Ed is an accountant, so our budgets were pretty tight. So when I bought this microphone here, uh, you can't quite see it. You know, that was a tough sell with Ed. And what, we, <laughs> what we've learned now is as we've got bigger, you know, we have to realize what can I do and what do I want to do? Uh, but because you've got money, you can make the choice that actually I don't want to you know, do all the SEO keywording on my blog. So I'm going to contract that out. And so, like I said, we're super lucky as doctors because money gives us choices. But if we feel that we cannot take those choices for whatever reason or we cannot see outside of our bubble and that there are choices, then we're stuck. And I guess what we're kind of talking about is what's called fire. I don't know if you've heard about that. And I'm not talking about fire training where they patronize you at the start of every placement saying, should you use water or powder on an electrical fire? I'm talking about fire of financial independence, retire early. So it's quite a simple concept, really. You maximize your income, maximize your savings. And then by doing that, you can retire a lot earlier than you could do. And there's a couple of books, Your Money or Your Life is probably the most, you know, classic one and Mr. Money Moustache, the blog. And I think doctors could take a leaf out of that kind of movement. I mean, personally, for me, I'm not pure fire means you just exit your career as soon as you can, having saved as much as you can. I love being a doctor. I don't want to exit my career, but I only do it three days a week because that's my level of happiness balance. And by managing my money properly, I can do that. So I think financial independence and retire early is the fire training that doctors actually need rather than the patronizing talk about water or powder on an electrical fire which we'll have <laughs> yeah you know your toaster is on fire what should you do a throw a kettle of water over it <laughs> b <laughs> stick wish- your finger in it i get it you're pushed for time and with over 200 episodes how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work Never fear, the You Are Not a Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. I always get a bit confused about what CO2 is uh, for. But uh, anyway, we won't talk about that. But, you know, uh, if doctors want to know about more about fire, I've just popped an article on our blog about that. Uh, and that's Brilliant. the kind of thing that we'll be talking about on our mm. podcast and everything mm. like that. But I think 
nobody ever says that to you in medical school or or no one ever talks about you know doctors we don't talk about money because we're here for the vocation right well yeah but we also have bills to pay we have massive debts to pay and we have like other things that we like to do other than work yeah so what advice would you give to someone who was sort of looking at planning their career and planning their ideal week and thinking actually what sort of choices should I make about schools and where I live and cars and I don't yeah. know, all holidays, all, all those sorts of things. What would your sort of advice be? I think it's such a massive question that, uh, thanks. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> 10 you know, minutes, solve yeah. that problem, please. <laughs> I think, you know, what I've learned is that everybody's different and everybody has different priorities. So I told you I drive a 13-year-old car, but I've got a garage full of brand new surfboards. I mean, they are really nice. So my priority is surfboards, not cars. Other people may be different. But as long as you can get your head around making those choices, as I said, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it does give you choices. And if you can make those choices and realize, you know, I realized when I was working 10 sessions a week, I wasn't happy. I was burning out and working six sessions a week, part time, as the media like to call it. I mean, that's still more hours in a week than your average non NHS employee does. But I'm just happier like that. And I couldn't have made that choice if I hadn't got my financial affairs in order because I'd still be £85,000 in debt, you know, with it all stacked up on cars like I was at the start. So I think, you know, it's difficult. I don't want to impart my values on someone else. But I do still think that my my thing that I said, that thing, if you're going to th- if you're going to buy something that you don't really need, right, which is a lot of stuff, just think about it in units of time. So how much of my time does it take to earn that? And don't mm. think that that is your hourly rate. Yeah, because that is not your take home pay, you know, because of the mm. progressive nature of the tax system. You know, sometimes if you're earning a pound, you might only be taken home after tax, pension, national insurance, you might be taking home 25, 30p. So don't think about it like that. Think <sighs> about depressing. it in unit of time. Yeah. It is depressing. But you've got to know this, because then if someone says to you, ah, I'm earning uh, £49,000, and I'm going to do a locum shift, and that's going to take me over to £50,000. Well, I'm going to start tapering my child benefits. I'm going to lose that. I'm going to jump up a tax bracket. My pension contribution is going to go up. So you've got to evaluate it in a smart way. Just don't just like, as I said, doctors are very good at just, if there's trouble, work harder. You can't do that. You've got to work smarter. Yeah. I think finances are something that we just don't spend any t- much time thinking about and planning. We spend a lot of time worrying about them but not a lot of time planning. And I think seeing a financial advisor and taking some time just to get really clear in your mind how you can become financially independent and how I think that with the aim of not to have to tie yourself down into a job that you hate or not to have to tie yourself down into into a job where you have to work more than you want to work. Because I think you're right. I think general practice is, is a brilliant career, but it's quite unsustainable if you're working 12 sessions that well my 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 view is it's very difficult to work 12 sessions a week and still maintain sanity because it is so intense but if you've trapped yourself with what your uh, some of the choices that you've made and I know a lot of people choices that people make aren't choices what I mean by that is that some of us have obligations that we cannot get out of particularly if we're the main breadwinner but I think even then we are not spending a lot of time thinking and planning And that is just one thing that will release you from that happiness trap of money is everything and I have to do this to earn the money. And there there might well be other ways of getting the the same income without sort of completely flogging yourself. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
I can sympathize with both ends of the spectrum here because as I start, as I say, when I started, I was 85,000 pounds down. That is not a good position to be in. And at that point, you know, my four things I mentioned about what keeps me happy, the money quadrant was incredibly massive for me. It was huge because I was constantly thinking about how to pay the debt down. You know, I was maximizing everything. I was making sure I checked my utility bills, not buying anything at hospital, just not spending any money because to save that amount of money on a junior doctor's salary these days is really hard. And then I kind of been through the spectrum uh, to where I am now, which is that I realized that I love being a GP, but when I do it 10 sessions a week, I get really miserable and I, I get less good as a doctor because I get heading towards burnout. And if I didn't have the you know, ability to make those financial choices, which I'm incredibly happy that I, I can, I would not be such a good doctor. So I'm a better three day a week doctor than I am a five day a week doctor. And the fact that I get to spend the other two days running medics money to help other people make better financial decisions is really satisfying for me. And it's, I never planned that when I went to medical school, but you know, it, it's really, we get such great feedback from people that have used our free resources. The whole site's totally free to use, the ebook's totally free. And then the other thing that you mentioned was getting advice, you know, so when you're trying to save money, it seems contradictory that you would pay for advice. But, you know, if you get the right advice for the right price, it can significantly enhance your wealth and that can facilitate your choices. So the other big reason we started Medics Money was because doctors didn't know where to get advice. What we noticed was that non-specialist advisors, so non-specialist accountants, are more likely to give out incorrect advice because doctors have quirks to their finances, the NHS pension, you know, banding, payroll, all of those fun things that we all love. So we decided to set up a network where the accountants are verified by us so we go through a huge due diligence check with them and they also have reviews from doctors you know like you and the thing about reviews online reviews is fake reviews but all of our reviews are verified by gmc number so you know it's as good as we can get and then the other thing about where to find a good financial advisor i mean when i was at medical school i said i had no financial education but i did have a financial advisor come and talk to us and they basically tried to persuade me that i needed to buy life insurance i said oh what does life insurance do then i didn't know anything like well if you die your dependents uh, will get a payout i said well i've got no kids i've got no wife i've got i've got nothing right like i've got minus 85 something why do i need it and, oh you just need it i said okay like tell me more well it's free for the first year so do you want it i was like well why do i need it and actually, there's just so many salespeople like that who would try to exploit our financial naivety. But there's also amazing financial advisors, uh, some of whom we've got on our network, that can you know enhance your wealth for a fair price. And they work with doctors, they understand doctors. And again, they're verified by us, reviewed by doctors like you. So I think, yeah, getting advice would be one of my tips. You're going to need to educate yourself, but they, that can only take you so far. Like I have an accountant, I have a financial advisor, and <laughs> they, you know, I'm not the easiest person to advise because I've got my own ideas, but I really value their advice because they stop me from doing stupid things because I'm not a financial advisor or an accountant. So I really value their input in the same way that patients come to us sometimes with a preformed idea of what their diagnosis is. And it probably sounded pretty reasonable when they sort of read it up on Google. But when they say it out loud, with the benefit of our experience as the doctors, we know it's ridiculous. So yeah. I think yeah. getting good advice would be a, another massive tip. Yeah, I think that's something that we as professionals are bad at doing because we think, you know, I think particularly GPs, because we turn our hand at most things, being a general practitioner, the, the clue is in the title. I think, oh, yeah, well, I can do the money thing as well. But, but one thing I have learned through starting my own business is 
someone who has been trained to do it will always do it so much better than you in a much quicker time and will always save you money. So just getting advice really important. So I just want to bring us back to this whole getting free of the, the money happiness trap. I think through COVID, that's been quite a nice not nice, but I'll say nice leveler as in, you know, it has actually brought us back to what's really important. And for me, just knowing that seeing my friends for an evening is just as good sitting on a deck chair in a garden as going out to a fancy restaurant and spending hundreds of pounds on a meal. So I think it has probably started us thinking what is really important in life. Yeah, I think, you know, again, I don't want to impart my values onto somebody else. And I just reiterate that if you have money, you have the choice. But uh, last year, we went to the Alps uh, for a week, which was amazing. You know, we took the kids and uh, I love the Alps in the summer. I was so excited to go there. This summer, we are going on a sort of a cycle tour within about five miles of our house, basically, to eat at a pub, like in the garden, and then cycle home. And I am more excited about that this year than the whole trip to the Alps last year. So I think you're right. It's just helped to reframe for a lot of people what is important. And what is important to me is having a relaxing time with my family and just having fun. And I probably don't need to go to the Alps or anywhere else to do that. And yeah, I'm going on holiday, but I'm not going more than five miles from my house. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah, there is something about simplicity. I know there's quite a big movement at the moment about, you know, how to find happiness through these various disciplines like simplicity and solitude and trying to sort of eschew the, the materialism trap that I think we had just wound ourselves up into. Consumption, consumption, consumption. And we don't need to consume as much. We really no. don't. Yeah. And I think as doctors, we're a bit prone to that, like I said, because we strive for excellence. You know, we don't get to be a doctor without being excellent. And no one no one ever goes to a patient and say, right, I'm going to do a really mediocre job with this patient. It just never happens. You always do your best. And that kind of accelerates itself into, well, I could get an iPhone SE, which is like the budget model, which I run and I love it. Or I could get the iPhone 11 and it's only like £350 more. And it's like, well, both of them are phones and both of them are really good. I've got a lovely iPhone SE. I've also had an iPhone 11 and it was absolutely no different. So, you know, it's just choices. I don't want to impart anything on anyone, but if you can get a grip on your finances, it, it can have a massive impact on your happiness because you're freed from some of those things that you talked about. And often when, you know, you listen to people that have burnt out, I'm sure we all know colleagues that have burnt out. It's not because they, they worked less. Yeah. It's because they worked so much and then it just got in this cycle that they couldn't get out of. And, you know, if you get in too deep with debt, it's terrible. I've been there, like all the way through medical school. I could see it racking up and it's a terrible feeling. But when you get educated about it, get the right advice, you can bring it back under control. And I think, you know, the ebook, I keep going on about it, but it's totally free. It just sums up a little sort of plan for doctors or other high income professions to get a, just where to start. Because that's the thing that we get asked to make money. Like, OK, I've just become a GP. Where do I start? And, and we've got everything you need, you know. If you're thinking about becoming a partner, we can talk to you about that. We've got information about that, locums or any other doctors, we've got it. But the book puts everything together in a super simple, what I call your financial PDP. So we all have PDPs for our clinical work, yeah? But I bet you don't have a financial PDP. And I would say that your financial PDP, which you probably don't have, is as important as your clinical PDP, which we all have thanks to the joys of appraisal. Yeah, it's interesting you're saying financial PDP, but I think... You know, there's a very famous proverb, isn't it? That where your treasure is, there your heart is as well. You know, that if so, it's not just a, the financial PDP isn't just about money. It's about where your priorities are. It's about 
what's important to you in life. It's about how you live, actually. Money is a good good sort of litmus test of that. So, yeah, so I, instead of calling it a financial PDP, it's also like a life PDP, and you can measure that by looking at the choices that you're making with, with your money, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And also, if you have a plan, like generally doctors like plans, like when we do a vision, we get a vision plan, we get all our post-it notes out. Yeah, we like a plan. For me, even though I was 85,000 pounds down, just having a plan and I could forecast how I was going to pay it off, it just feels so good because you're back in control of your money, you know? So we have our family PDP, so financial PDP, which I do with my wife. And I'm trying to involve my kids as well because, you know, that they need to start learning about this stuff. But if you do your family PDP together for your finances, you know, you might have to make difficult choices like we're going to sell the rental car or the finance car and get a normal car or whatever. If you make those choices together as a family, then everybody's on board. Everyone understands what the end result and the end goal is. Uh, and it's just a lot easier. And we get really into this in the book about how to make mm. your PDP as a family. But I think that would be one thing that, uh, you know, you, if you get good at your money, you can pass that down to yeah. your children and then hopefully they yeah. will not spend all your inheritance. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I think kids need to be educated. It's one of the reasons why we make sure we give ours an, an allowance and we don't just give them loads of extra money because they, they have to learn to budget. My, but- my car is super clean and my windows are, well, they're not great at washing the windows, but they're all right at the car. So yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. They're, they're already doing that. So. Yeah. so I just wanted to finish off by sort of mentioning one thing that I think is quite important. I, I heard a, a talk recently about creating a sort of buffer zone in life so a buffer zone with time so you're not spending all your time all your time isn't completely used up and a buffer zone with money so you haven't got all your money allocated and that then will allow you to be generous to other people and to give and to regularly give where does sort of giving come in all of this for you yeah, again, I think uh, it's really interesting that you mentioned the buffer. So what we would call that in financial terms is an emergency fund. So generally, we would you know, recommend between three and six months of your outgoings saved up in an emergency fund. So mm-hmm. when I was a locum GP with no fixed work, I had six months saved up. Now with secure employment, back down to three months. And that just gives you whatever happens to me. I've got three months of bills in the bank, right? And during COVID, you know, some people that thought they would never be in that situation are. So some of my colleagues only do private work. It stopped, it shut down, and they've got tremendous bills to pay. So that's what I would say about the buffer zone. And I think in terms of giving, you know, charitable giving and the, and the like, you know, that just comes back down to if you have money, you also have choices. And who doesn't like to give to their favorite charity? And at Medics Money, we actually work with the Royal Medical Benevolent Fund. So we provide them some content. And I really like what they do because they probably help people like me 12 years ago. Uh, I never needed their help because I just cracked on with it. But So I really like what they do. And uh, yeah, we provide them content so that doctors can start to get a handle on their finances and get their way out of whatever trouble they are. And it's really interesting talking to them that a lot of doctors that they help it is financial trouble. And, you know, public might not expect that. You know, when I was young, I thought all doctors were earning a fortune. And unfortunately, I know the truth now. And so I think, again, if you can manage your finances, you get the choices. Yeah, I think I, I just think giving is really important. It's one of the ways to well-being. And there's a lot of evidence about, you know, actually that will increase your happiness. So but a lot of us, if we're only just living up to our means or, you know, or living beyond our means, it's going to be nothing left unless you've said right giving is my absolutely fundamental which I know a lot of people do and they give that first and foremost which I think is a really good 
habit to get into but like you said it's good to be able to have a you know this uh, not just a buffer zone an emergency zone but a generosity zone so you can help people out so you can see a cause that you want to to donate to but you're right unless you've got your sort of financial pdp or whatever then then actually probably not going to happen yeah exactly it's just about getting getting your finances in a position that you can make these choices and yeah. that's that's what it's about really uh our, on our website it says we empower doctors to make better financial decisions and i think you probably had a flavor of what we do this is a bit of a snapshot mm. but if you can get yourself empowered to you know with the knowledge you can make these choices and it, it's benefited me tremendously and i've not done anything exceptional i've just done the basics and every doctor can do that and then Maybe we'll all be happier and better doctors and working better hours. Well, it's like you said, it gives you choices and it means that you have that choice about how you develop your career to really thrive in what you do. So I've been not- noting a few top tips. So number one, get advice. <laughs> number two, make a budget. Number three, make a financial PDP. Have you got any other top tips that I will put in the list on the show notes? Yeah, I think we talked about it a minute ago. What we call it in the book is build a moat. So what I'm saying there is get an emergency fund. Three months is a good point. But also don't neglect, protect, you know, you've worked hard to become a doctor and you need to protect that asset. So I don't have insurance for my washing machine or my phone or my laptop, but I do insure my income with income protection and life insurance. And that is a major area where getting independent financial advice, like the advisors on Medics Money, is absolutely key because there's lots of non-independent or restricted advisors, and they actually dominate the medical advice market, bizarrely. And for various reasons, it's better to use an independent financial advisor like those on Medics Money. And I think it's, again, I don't want to impart my own values on other people, but your life experiences shape what your thoughts are. So I've decided to drive a rubbish car and drop my kids off for school and pick them up twice a week. And for me, it just feels, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of people who do the school one every day who think that's really boring. But for me, it feels amazing because for so many years, I couldn't do that because I was just working too many hours. So I think, like I said, moneyness, money does not get you happiness, but it does give you choices. And if you make the right choices managing your money by managing it better then you can have you can have it all on a very modest salary without needing all these trappings of excess that you talked about earlier yeah great thank you so much Tommy. that has been really really helpful so we'll put all those links in the show notes particularly to the ebook and the website if somebody wanted to contact you how can they find you yeah, best way is via Medics Money website, mm-hmm. medicsmoney.co.uk. At the top, there's a contact us tab. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love to have feedback. We basically shaped Medics Money due to feedback. We are shortly going to be launching the Medics Money podcast, which was from feedback from our readers who said, come on, you guys have got to do a podcast. So we are. We're laying down a few episodes and having a practice today with the very best at podcasting. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Great. Absolutely. Well, it's been really interesting. Thank you so much. And we'll, we'll have to get you back on again to explore this in, in more detail, I think. I'd love to. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. See you. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.